You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Uh, turn your Bibles with Luke chapter number 5. We're continuing our uh, series through our New Year's theme, Launch Out. Today we have some super cool uh, launch out stickers that are available on the guest services table as you, as you go out today. Uh, grab one of those if, if you would today. Uh, really good stuff. I used to collect stickers as a kid, and so uh, when I got to be a grown-up, I just started making my own stickers. And so uh, grab one of those on your way out and uh, put it somewhere where it reminds you to live this year by faith. Luke chapter 5 is where we're at. We're going to spend uh, probably three more weeks here in this passage of Scripture, uh, and then we'll head back to the book of Ephesians. Last year, we were going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. We're going to finish that up in just a few weeks. And so until then, we'll be in Luke chapter 5 uh, here. Luke chapter 5, we're going to start in verse number 1. It came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them or washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When he had this done, enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of fishes that were taken. And also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Uh, growing up, um, I had a, I guess you could say a unique relationship with my dad. Me and my dad were really close. And from time to time, he would uh, give out good nuggets of wisdom that dads always do. And some of it, uh, you know, again, when you're a teenager and your dad tries to give you advice, you kind of take it or leave it based on what you think is wise and you think you're smarter than everybody else. And I remember my dad telling me, I got my first job at 16 years old uh, working at a, a resort. I, cutting grass and hauling garbage and really glamorous stuff that 16-year-olds want to do. Uh, and I remember I got my very first job, and my dad told me, son, if you will save out of every paycheck, just a little bit, it doesn't have to be a lot, and put it into an interest-bearing account, one of these days you could be one of the most wealthy people in the entire world. My dad began to explain to me how compound interest worked and things like that. And he said, uh, you know, if you put away $20 a week at your age, at 16 years old, you know, and you continue to do that, and he started doing some uh, back-of-the-napkin math for me. He says, now, if you were able to put away, let's just say $50 a month or $100 a month, or every time you got paid, you put back something, at the end of your days, you will be fabulously wealthy. Now, uh, trying to tell a 16-year-old that at 60 years old, they'll be fabulously wealthy doesn't really register with anybody. I want to be rich like now, right? And so, as in my 16-year-old wisdom, I decided I'm not going to put any money back for savings in the future. I'm just going to blow whatever I have because uh, we, all we have is today, and so I want to enjoy today. I don't want to enjoy 60 years from now. Fast forward another five, 10 years uh, or so, my dad asked me as an adult now, hey, are you putting away money in savings? And I said, well, it's tough to save when you don't necessarily have anything. We were young and uh, in our marriage and didn't have a lot of money and things like that. So he said, put back something. You gotta save something every time you get paid because one of these days it will pay off. Great advice, dad. Problem is I wake up one day when I'm like 35 years old and realize I have $0 in savings and $0 saved for retirement and nothing planned for the future. And I'm getting older. And I think to myself, if I had started when I was 16 years old putting away money, I would have tens of thousands of dollars now if I just followed dear old dad's advice. Now, you and I don't necessarily so often struggle with getting good advice or necessarily even knowing what to do. We struggle not with the knowledge, we struggle with the execution of it. In this case here, Peter had no question what Jesus wanted him to do. 
Peter, I want you to launch out. Peter, I want you to drop a net. Peter, I want you to follow me. The knowledge part wasn't the difficult part. The difficult part came with the execution. Oftentimes, uh, pastors will make fun of Peter uh, because Jesus was walking on water. He uh, told Peter, Peter, if you believe that I can uh, catch you or I can uh, sustain you, step out of the boat and walk to me. And Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on water, the only person other than Jesus to walk on water. Began to walk on water to Jesus, but he got scared and he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. And we sometimes as uh, pastors like to point out Peter's lack of faith and not trusting Jesus and how he began to sink. Uh, But out of the uh, 12 apostles that were in the boat, Peter was the only one that got out. Peter was the only one who ever actually took the first step of faith. Everybody else knew what Jesus was gonna do, but didn't necessarily trust him to the same degree that Peter did. You see, we must not necessarily get hung up on the knowledge of what to do, but the execution. If I were to tell you today that uh, you need to be in God's word on a daily basis, you don't necessarily, that's not new information to most of you. You need to spend good quality time in prayer with your heavenly father on a regular basis. That's not news to most folks in this room. Hey, you need to walk with Jesus every single day and make life decisions that would please and honor your heavenly father. That's not news to a lot of us. And the question becomes then why don't we do it? Why do we struggle with that? If we know that we should live a life of faith, if we know that we should launch out by faith, trusting God for great things to come, why don't we do it and how do we fix it? That's what we're taking a look at this morning. As you take a look at this passage of scripture, one of the reasons why we don't launch out is because, first of all, it's not convenient. At 16 years old, you couldn't tell me that putting away money one day would pay great dividends for me. It wasn't very convenient because I made uh, my very first job, I was rolling in cash. I made $4.25 an hour, big money, big money. And on the holiday weekends, every now and then, I would get time and a half overtime. We're talking six seventy-five an hour. I mean, it was just the most money I'd ever seen in my entire life. And the idea that I would take $20 of my hard-earned money, mind you, that was almost four hours worth of work, and set that aside every payday just didn't make sense to me. It wasn't very convenient. If I tell you that by launching out in faith this year, trusting God that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think, most of us would look and go, that's not really convenient right now. It's not comfortable right now. Luke chapter 14. Uh, turn your Bibles if you would over to Luke chapter 14. We're already there uh, in this passage of scripture. And Luke, a few pages over to the right, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse number uh, 16. He said unto them, a certain man made a great supper and bade or invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them which were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife. And therefore cannot come. Now, if anybody has an excuse, that might be one, uh, right? (laughs) Or at least I'm going to be very, very late because I have a wife. Um, Verse 21. So that servant came and showed these things to his Lord. And the master of the house, being angry, said unto the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the hither and the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is still room. The Lord said, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Jesus is uh, giving a parable in this case here, talking about the kingdom of heaven. And the invitation was given far and wide to the Jews. Jesus Christ came to the Jews. But the Jews rejected him. The Bible says he came into his own and his own received him not. And so God says, fine, if the Jews won't come to me, go out and get everybody else and bring them to me. And the offer of salvation was not simply given to the Jews, it was given to everyone. You see, 
just kind of a side note here in this case here, this is an invitation to you and I to be a part of God's family, to be a part of the kingdom of God. You and I can have heaven because this invitation was given to us. You see, you don't deserve to go to heaven and I don't either. The Bible says we've all sinned against the holy God. Our sin has consequences. Our consequences is the fact that we'll be separated from God forever in a place called hell. That's what we deserve. So because of my sin and because of yours, we've earned ourselves to the spot in hell. But God loves you so much that he would never allow you to go to hell without having an opportunity to make things right. And so he sent his son Jesus, Romans chapter five, verse number eight, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I was supposed to die and go to hell, but Jesus died in my place. That's what Romans chapter five says. God loves you, God loves me so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins. I was supposed to pay, but Jesus paid for me. But you've got to make a decision for yourself. You must accept the gift of eternal life that's given unto you. You see, there must be a time in your life where you have accepted the gift of eternal life from Jesus. The Bible calls that being saved or born again. And it requires that you repent or turn from your sin and turn to Jesus to receive that gift. If you've never received that gift before, know this, when you die, you will go to hell. The Bible is very clear on that. Jesus says in John chapter three, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You must be saved. And friend, if you're here today and you are not saved, let today be the day that you accept that gift of eternal life, that you accept the forgiveness of sin and make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Today is your day. This is your opportunity. Most of the folks in this room, I know your story about how you've accepted Christ as Savior. And God is asking you today to launch out by faith to make this one of the best years you've ever had in your entire life, to trust him more than you've ever trusted him before, to believe more than you've ever believed before. But that requires a commitment on your part. You see, in this case here, many people were invited, but everybody had an excuse. Uh, I can't, I'm really busy. I, I bought a piece of land and I need to go see it. I bought some oxygen and I gotta take them out uh, for a drive. Uh, I got a wife and I just can't come. Everybody had an excuse. And let me just tell you this, all of us have an excuse to stay in the boat in the comfortable waters. Every single one of us does. I was talking with a friend yesterday and I encouraged him to, to be a part of a discipleship. Our discipleship kickoff is coming up in February. It's one of the best things uh, that God has ever given us is the opportunity to learn about him with another Christian. And so one of the ways that we do that is you sit down with another Christian over 14 weeks and you just study the Bible together. And you have somebody that's a little bit further down the road than you are teach you and train you uh, in what the scriptures say and how a committed follower of Jesus is supposed to live. And we, uh, we do that about, about three times a year. We, we do that about 14 weeks long that it is. I said, I encourage you to sign up for discipleship and commit to learning what it means to follow Jesus. And he says, I know, but I'm leaving in a few months in June where our family's supposed to move to the mainland. I'm not gonna be able to, to, to maybe commit as much time as I want you to. I said, commit whatever you can to it. There will, there will never be a good time to follow Jesus. Let me just tell you that. We'll always have an excuse. Hey, I woke up this morning and I was supposed to go to the gym. My alarm clock went off at six o'clock. I slept in today, six o'clock. Oh, it was glorious. And I'm gonna go to the gym. I wake up, and guess what? I'm tired. I began to thumb through my email before I get out of bed, and I realized there's a lot of things that I gotta get done before church even, uh, first service even starts today. And so I began to think about all the things I have to do. And then I got out of bed, and I was really sore, and I was tired, and I was just like, ah, oh, I could skip today because I'm a little bit sore, I'm a little bit tired. Uh, I looked outside to hopefully see if it was raining. It wasn't raining outside but it has been really, really cold outside and I don't wanna go out cold. I might catch a cold and that would be terrible. And I just began to make excuse after excuse after excuse why today just wasn't a good day. But you know what I did? I put on my big boy pants and I walked out the front door and went to the gym. You know why? Because I know that's what's best for me. It wasn't convenient. It was highly inconvenient. And that's just uh, a picture of what life is like there's never gonna be a time where you go, okay, this is a really good time to follow Jesus right now. Some of you thought that January 1st would be a good time to start maybe a new Bible reading schedule, or maybe praying every day, or maybe even starting to journal, or maybe even trying to be more faithful in your church attendance, and you didn't even make it out of January yet, and everything kind of fell apart on you. And some people have thought, I'll just give it a shot again next year. What? Are you kidding me? You've got 11 months left. 
well, I know, but I like the whole first of the year thing. Yeah, I do too. But I'm not going to set it to the side just because I'm gonna wait for a more convenient time. Sometimes I'm talking with folks and I say, how's your walk with the Lord been? Oh, it hasn't been what it should because I've been really busy. Is there anybody in this room this morning that is not busy? Could you raise your hand because I really need your help, all right? I got about 100 things I could give you on my to-do list if you're not busy. Hey, everybody's busy, everybody. There will never be a time where I've just got all this extra time that I think I'm gonna use to just uh, walk with Christ and go deeper in my relationship with him and live by faith uh, when it's a little bit more convenient. Know this, it's never convenient to launch out. Peter, in this case here, was done for the day. He'd been fishing all night. We don't know how long all night was, but, but if you can imagine an eight-hour shift of being out in a boat with a bunch of other dudes throwing the net again and again and bringing it up empty every single time. I can only imagine, again, I'm not a fisherman and I've never really fished in my life, but I can imagine going out for eight hours with a plan of bringing in a lot of fish and bringing in nothing and being a little bit on the discouraged side a little bit on the frustrated side. And I'm tired. Every time I've ever gotten in a boat in my entire life, I always wind up wet and wrinkled up. My, my socks get wet and I just feel awful. I, one of the things I hate about going to the beach is you get sand all over you and then you get uh, dried salt water all over you and you just feel sticky and nasty and clammy all day. And like for weeks, I'm like getting sand out of my hair and in the cracks in my ears and stuff. It's just like, ah. Oh. Peter was done. He was tapped out. He was finished. He just wanted to wash his nets and go home. And it wasn't convenient for him to launch out in this case here, but he chose to anyways. Let me just tell you this. It's never convenient, but it's always worth it. Mind you, Peter has fished all night, caught absolutely nothing. He's exhausted. He just wants to go home. He's even washing his nets. That's the last thing that they did before they went home. They, they checked their nets to see if there was any holes in it anywhere. They washed them out to make sure that uh, when they stored them, that they would be in good shape when they brought them out the next time around. He had already washed his nets. He was already done. All he had to do was go home. And Jesus said this, hey, let me get in your boat for a minute. Hey, let's push out a little bit. Hey, let's launch out into the deep. Hey, let's let down our nets. And then when we bring in this massive, massive load of fish, and Jesus says, hey, just leave everything here and come follow me. I don't know about you, but I probably would have said something like this. Hey, Jesus, I've been working all night, and so if I could go home and get, I don't know, eight to 10 hours of sleep and catch up with you later, just tell me where you're gonna be at this afternoon, I'd totally meet you there, right? Because I need my sleep. Peter didn't, it wasn't convenient. But if you read through the life of Peter, do you think it was worth it? I think it was. You see what Peter was able to accomplish because he chose to launch out? I think he would say it was worth it. Wasn't the easiest thing to do, wasn't convenient, but it was always worth it. What's another reason? What's keeping us from launching out the way that we should? Another thing is that not only is it not convenient, we're also very short-sighted. <laughs> you know, we tend not to think about what's gonna happen in the future. Again, one of my uh, stellar examples of my lack of uh, foresight, I guess you will. I was, uh, when I joined the Navy, uh, one of the options that we had in boot camp was to sign up for the Montgomery GI Bill. And so this was the, the pre-9-11 uh, Montgomery GI Bill. And so basically you paid in $100 a month for 12 months and you got $14,400 towards college, right? And so mind you, I go in, I'm, a, I'm an E1 in boot camp making nearly nothing whatsoever, and they're gonna take $100 of my paycheck every month. I said, no, not gonna happen. And so we had our uh, uh, division commander said, who's not signing up for the Montgomery GI Bill? And I'm like one out of like 60 that raised my hand. King, what's your problem? I said, $100 is a lot of money. Shut up, sign the paper. <laughs> okay, I guess I will. And so I signed this stupid piece of paper. Thoughts in my mind. I joined the Navy because I don't wanna to go to college. So the idea of going to college is not uh, really all that appealing to me. Well, the money that you pay in will multiply on this other side towards college tuition. What part of not going to college did you not get? I don't care about that. You, you might as well say it's gonna be in, in unicorn bucks. That means nothing to me, right? But I did it anyways. And 
guess what? A few years down the road after I get out, uh, I, was, I was working part-time, I was working full-time in ministry and to make a little bit of extra money, I went to school. I used my Montgomery GI Bill and in 12 months, I made $14,400 by just sitting in a college class and basically spilling in Scantron sheets all day, right? That was awesome. Trying to tell 18-year-old me that college would be beneficial for you one day didn't compute because I was very short-sighted. All I could think about was today. Jesus talks about a man in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse number 18. He said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will stow all my fruits and my goods. And I'll say unto my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry, but God shall say unto him, thou fool, this night shall be required of thee. Then whose things shall those be which thou hast provided? So as he that layeth up in treasure for himself is not rich toward God. You see, in this case here, Jesus tells a story about a guy who says, hey, I'm doing pretty well. I think I'm just gonna chill for a minute. I think I'm just gonna enjoy life for a minute because I've got enough money laid up for years in advance. He was short-sighted in the fact that he was very rich in the world, but he was very poor towards God. The problem with you and I many times is we don't think about what happens when this life is over. We're short-sighted. One of the things that I do through our premarital counseling when I'm talking with uh, married couples is I talk to them about life insurance because I know this. When I was 21 years old and wanting to get married, the last thing on my mind was life insurance, right? I thought to myself, you're gonna take more money out of my pocket and less money to go to the movies with? Come on, you gotta be kidding me, right? Short-sighted. Oftentimes when it comes to our spiritual life, we don't think about the day that we stand before God. We just think about today, tomorrow. The furthest that we can think is this weekend. God wants us to think eternally. Launching out by faith is not about what happens today, tomorrow, or by next weekend. It's about what happens 10 years from now. It's about what happens 20 years from now. It's about what happens the day that you stand before God and God says, hey, Anthony, give me an account of your life and tell me how things went. I wanna think ahead in that aspect. I don't wanna be short-sighted. I don't wanna sit on the beach while everybody else launches out because I'm short-sighted and I don't see the end of it. You see, oftentimes we're only looking at today and not the decades and eternity that lies ahead. We don't think about what's happening 20 years from now. My parents made a decision when they got married. My parents met at church, um, 16 years old. They got married when they were 18. And they made a decision, if God ever gives us children, we're gonna take our kids to church every time the doors are open. Very simple decision for an 18-year-old uh, couple of kids to make. Along comes me and my brother. And guess what? They made good on their commitment. They took us to church every single time the doors were open. Many times we did not want to go, but we went anyways because my parents had made a commitment. That's what they were gonna do. And that's just what our, our house did. I didn't know any different. There was never a question of, hey, are we going to church tonight? It was just an automatic, we're gonna be there. If they're having church, we're gonna be there. And if there's snow on the roads, we're gonna try to make it there anyways because surely somebody will come and unlock the church and we can have church together. Wow. My parents didn't understand at that time the benefits that would come later. They just knew this is what we need to do right now. This is the right thing to do right now. And I'm telling you this today. You're seated here in this room with some of the finest Christians I've ever met in my entire life because two 18-year-old kids made a commitment to be in church with their kids if they ever had kids. And you're a beneficiary of that. I'm a beneficiary of that. Somebody else's faith. So your faith has ripple effects. And your decision to either launch out by faith, trusting God and live a life of faith will positively impact those around you or it will limit God's blessings in your life should you choose to sit on the beach twiddling your thumbs while everybody else launches out. God's calling you to live by faith. The Christian life is a life of faith. If you're not living by faith, you're doing it wrong. But many times we can't think ahead down the road. We just think about right now. I don't know that my dad's ever led another person to Christ other than me. But I know this, that one person mattered. Made a difference in my life. 
made a difference in my family's life, made a difference in my kid's life, made a difference in your life, just one person, that's it. My dad taught me a lot about living by faith. I remember seeing my dad on Sunday mornings every single time the offering basket would come by, he'd reach in his, his shirt pocket and pull out a check and put it in the offering basket every single time without fail, 52 times a year. Every single Sunday morning, I never saw him miss, ever once. And you know what that taught me? This is just what Christians do. We give every single week. If God gives us, we give back to the Lord every single week, automatic, don't even think about it. And it taught me a lot about living by faith. I remember my, my dad was self-employed still to this day. I remember there would be some very lean times in our family where my dad would say, hey, we're, we're not gonna be able to go there this weekend because things are a little bit tight right now. Hey, I know we were gonna go out to dinner this weekend, but we're not gonna go out to dinner. We're gonna stay home instead. Hey, I know we were gonna go to this place, but we're not gonna go because things are a little bit tight right now. I didn't know what that meant at the time. But I never saw the offering basket come by that something didn't get put in there. I just didn't. And that taught me a lot about faith. And my dad didn't know at the time, he was just doing what he thought was right. He didn't know the decades later, the effect that that would have on me. You see, you don't know the effect that you're gonna have decades later from the choices that you make this week. You just don't get it. And the idea is this, is that you and I would live a life of faith that would affect every single person around us. Regardless, I, I used to think at the time when I was a, a single adult, that I, I didn't affect anybody else, it was just me. That my life, my decisions just affected me. It didn't affect anybody else. I couldn't be further from the truth. Every person touches somebody else, every person. And I want my life to positively impact the lives that I touch. I wanna be a person that helps other people grow their faith. I don't wanna be the person that causes other people to have less faith. Not always convenient, but it's always worth it. You see, we also always assume that we'll get around to it later. We always think there'll be a more convenient time. One of these days, I'll walk with the Lord. I remember when I was a single adult, I thought to myself, one of these days when I'm married and I have kids, then I'll choose to walk with Jesus then. Guess what? I got married, had kids, and I didn't walk with Jesus. You know why? Because I was short-sighted. I didn't think about the future. I always thought it would happen later. I'm probably the only person in this room that's ever had this happen before. That I've started a new, I'm gonna call it a nutrition plan because diets are fads, right? Diets are bad. So it's a new nutrition plan that I start, that I fail at, that I say, I'm gonna start again next Monday, right? And so <laughs> Saturday and Sunday are, are hamburgers and french fries and milkshakes and pizza because Monday is a new day. I'm starting on, I know no one can identify with this whatsoever, so I'm gonna identify it for you. But I'm gonna start later, right? And then Monday comes and I'm doing okay and Tuesday I'll fall off the wagon and I say, I'll start it again next week. Why? Because we say, hey, I'll get around to it one of these days. I'll plan for the future one of these days. I'll start walking with the Lord one of these days. When I'm older and wiser and I've ever, after I've gotten everything out of my system, then I'll start walking with the Lord. Then I'll start saving for retirement. Then I'll figure out about life insurance in the future. One of these days, just not right now. But let me tell you this, I can tell you by experience, you're gonna wake up one morning, you're gonna be 40 years old, and you're gonna wonder where your life went. And you're gonna say, one of these days, one of these days I'm gonna live by faith. One of these days I'm gonna trust God. One of these days I'm really gonna do this whole Christian life thing by faith. That day needs to be today. Why else do we not launch out? Oftentimes we're not willing to pay the price. I know what it costs to follow Jesus, and I just flat out don't want to do that. You see, Jesus sets the cost of following him. Luke chapter 14, verse number 33. Or actually, Matthew chapter 19, verse number 21. Jesus saith unto him, if thou will be perfect or be mature, go sell all that thou hast and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. This man known as the rich young ruler came to Jesus and goes, Jesus, I love you. I, I totally want to follow you. And Jesus says, come on, let's go. Awesome. Jesus says, but go home first, sell everything that you got, and then come follow me. And he's just like, oh. 
you mean like sell everything? Like sell everything? Can I like put it in a storage unit and, and like go back on the weekends? Can, do you have like a weekend plan? Like I could travel with you on the weekends and throughout the weekend go back and do my own thing? And Jesus says, everything and follow me. Mm, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for the offer though. If I decide I'll, I'll, later, maybe I'll catch up with you later or something like that. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus just went on. Jesus didn't stop and try to cut a deal with the guy. Okay, okay, that's like the super sold out package. I've got a moderately sold out package I could get for you. You, don't, you can sell three quarters of what you have or 50% of what you have. No, 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 Jesus says, fine. When you decide you wanna follow me, you'll know where I'm at. Folks, there are people in this room this morning they say, I don't, the whole following Jesus thing is just not for me right now. I'm, I'm willing to go a little ways, just not the whole way. Hey, I'll show up to church on a Sunday morning most times, but the whole like, lead my family and pray and read the Bible and, and walk with Jesus, and I'm just, just not ready for that right now. And know this, Jesus is going to move on. And he's going to say, when you're ready, you know where to find me. And we look at it and we say, oh, it's too high of a price to pay. Friend, let me just tell you this. A lack of commitment to Jesus is far too high of a price for you to pay. Walking through life by yourself, that's a high price to pay. Halfway Following Jesus, high price to pay. Here's what, what Jesus says when he wrote to the, the church at Laodicea in the book of Revelation. He says, you're not hot, you're not cold, and because of that, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. The word spew is only used one time in scripture. It means to vomit. Because you can't pick a side, you make me want to throw up. And we look at that and say, that's not so bad. Oftentimes I ask people, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your Christian walk with one being awful, terrible, don't even love the Lord, to 10, if I were any closer to God, I'd be in heaven right now because it's so good. That's a 10, right? Oftentimes people say, eh, probably like a five or a six. Like, like, not terrible, but on the upside of good. I said, Did you know that there's a Bible word for a five or a six? Lukewarm. And God says it makes him sick. Pick a side. Choose to walk with Jesus or don't. Simple as that. You say, well, pastor, that's really harsh. Hey, read the Bible. Elijah said, how long are you guys gonna flip-flop between two different people? You wanna follow Baal on Monday? You wanna follow God on Tuesday? Pick one and get over it. Joshua says, choose you whom this day you will serve, but for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You take your pick though. Totally up to you. There's never a place in the Bible where casual, lukewarm, wimpy Christianity is commended. You're doing okay, great job. What's always commended by God is faith, 100% of the time. And I'm not saying that every single person has to pack up everything that you have and move to the mission field this afternoon. I'm just talking about being a real follower of Jesus. And for some of you, that's a launch out step because you've never done that before or it's been a really long time since you have. But I'm telling you, that's where the good stuff is found. We're not willing to pay the price. Let me just tell you this, self-sacrifice is the price of admission for a true disciple. Jesus says, you can't be his disciple unless you give up everything. And oftentimes, I've seen people who are looking and they go, hey, just, I can't pay it. I don't wanna pay it. Following Jesus means I've gotta give up X and I'm just not ready to give up X yet. Then that will keep you from God's best in your life every single time. Luke chapter 14, verse 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all he hath, cannot be my disciple. Hey, I didn't say it, Jesus did. If you're not willing to give up everything, you can't follow him. Again, you say, well, that's pretty harsh. 
talk to Jesus about it. Again, there's not a low barrier of entry for, for Christianity. There is in the fact that Christ has paid the price for you. But committed followers of Jesus requires a commitment. Being a disciple of his is always worth it. Having faith is always worth it. Why else don't we launch out? We don't see the value in it. What do I get out of living by faith? What's in it for me? If I've got to give up everything that I have in life, everything to follow Jesus, what's in it for me? And sometimes we don't follow Jesus because we don't really see the value in it. I've talked to folks before and I said, hey, you know, uh, you guys should totally attend on Sunday nights. We've got a different uh, service all together on Sunday nights. You give you an opportunity to grow in your faith. And they go, well, we went once. Isn't that enough? Yeah, I guess, but the more that you're around God's word, the more you'll be helped. Tonight, we're starting to study the book of Galatians verse by verse uh, tonight, five o'clock. I encourage you to be here for that. The more that you're in the Bible, the more that you'll grow. Do you have to come on Sunday morning and Sunday night to be a committed Christian? You don't have to. But if you want to grow, be around God's word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more that you hear the Bible, the more your faith will grow. But oftentimes we don't do that because we just don't see the value in it. Eh. Matthew chapter 19. Jesus is talking about forsaking all and following him. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Then Peter answered and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed you. What shall we have therefore? Jesus had just got through telling another guy, hey, sell everything you got and follow me. And Peter goes, hey, Jesus, we did that. What's in it for us? Can you imagine asking Jesus that? Hey, uh, Jesus, I heard you talking to that guy over there and telling him to sell everything. We kind of did that. So like, what do we get? What's in it for us? And many times we have that mentality. I'll follow Jesus, but what's in it for me? And here's Jesus' answer. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on his throne in glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that have forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's interesting, Jesus says to him, oh, you wanna know what you're gonna get? Wait till we get to heaven and it's gonna knock your socks off. And sometimes we look at that and they go, hmm, so let me get this right. I'm supposed to give up everything on this earth to follow Jesus, and then when I get to heaven, he's gonna make it all right? Yeah. Hmm, yeah, no thanks, I'm good. And let me just tell you this too. False religion twists this verse right here. And you know what false religion says? They take this verse and they chop it up and they use the parts that they want us to use. Follow Jesus and he's gonna restore to you a hundredfold of what you give to him. Ooh, I like that. So how does this work out practically? In false religion, put $10 in the offering basket and you're gonna get $1,000 back. That sounds like a great idea. Hundredfold, that's what it says. If you give $1,000, start doing the math. Wow. Hey, that's not what he's talking about. And let me just tell you this. If you think Jesus is a good way to get rich, you've missed the whole purpose of the Bible. Simple as that. Jesus is not an idle giver. This says, follow Jesus, and when you get to heaven, you will be very pleased with your investment. That's what he says. I don't know that that was the answer that Peter was looking for. I don't know that that's the answer that many of us are looking for, but it's the right answer. I can please God with my life. Sign me up for that one. I can do something of eternal significance. Sign me up for that. I can live my life in a way that would bring other people to heaven because my life points them to Christ. Sign me up for that. I can prepare my children and my wife to meet Jesus face to face. Sign me up for that. I'm for that. Because you know what? I've found that what this world has to offer is really just a really bad counterfeit of the gifts that Jesus gives. 
But oftentimes we don't see the value in following Jesus. One of the main reasons why we never launch out is because we're fearful. <clears throat> if I were to ask you today, what's the number one roadblock to you sharing your faith with other people? 98% of you would say fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what people will think of me. I'm afraid people ask me questions I don't know the answer to. I'm afraid people will reject me. Just afraid. And many times, we're not willing to push away from the shoreline in faith because we're scared. I don't know what's gonna happen out there. If I were to launch away from the shoreline, I don't know what's gonna happen. Let me just tell you this. Fear is not from God. The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Fear is not from the Lord, boldness is. God doesn't give you fear, and if you're feeling fear and following Jesus, know that that's not from God. God gives you boldness instead. Angela and I were young in our faith, We've both been saved. I got saved when I was 10. She got saved when she was 13, but we never grew in our faith. Nobody ever discipled us. Nobody ever taught us how to live according to the Bible. We were just kind of winging it. And we uh, went to church. We heard preaching about how we should be faithful to church. And so we made a commitment to be faithful to church. We, uh, from the very beginning of our marriage, we tithed because I saw that in my parents and I knew that, that was what Christians did every week. And so from the very beginning, we didn't do it. We did so many things wrong but we showed up and we tithed. I hated handshaking time because I did not like people at all. I did not love people. I didn't like people. I was selfish, self-centered. It was all about me. It was all about what I could get out of it. I didn't want to serve. I didn't want to do anything. You know, they would ask volunteers to come in and clean the church on Saturday. I did not want to do that because I thought to myself, I don't know where my money goes that I'm giving to this church, but could we at least hire some janitors? So they come cut the grass on Saturday. Good grief. Look around the room, see all this money getting put in the offering basket. Can't somebody hire somebody to come cut the grass around here? This is in my mind. And some of you that walk with Jesus going, you're a jerk. I am. Selfish jerk. It's exactly what I was. But then God began to do work in my heart about it's not about me, it's about other people. It's not about what I can get, but about what I can give. And that, then I realized that we could hire somebody to clean the church, but that would rob someone from the joy of cleaning Jesus' church and getting ready for church on Sunday. And so our family volunteered uh, once a month on Saturdays to go up to the church and clean it. We did it, and it was awesome. Then after that, I volunteered every other Saturday to go to the church and cut the grass. And I'm telling you, that something happened inside of me as I began to not be selfish, but began to launch out by faith. Just one step at a time. Faithful church attendance, faithful giving, serving. Had the opportunity to teach a teen Sunday school class. That was a lot of fun. Had the opportunity to teach a kid's Sunday school class. Not so much fun. And just more opportunities we had to be able to serve. And then we got to the point where we said, I don't know if God could ever use somebody like us, but in the event that he could, we would want to be ready, and so we decided to go to Bible college. People said, what are you going to do with your life? I don't know, maybe be missionaries one day, maybe, I don't know, be a Christian school. I don't know. I just know that I want God to use my life, and we went to Bible college to a, the middle of the desert in California, a sight unseen, never even been there, didn't know anybody there. Nobody met us at the airport. Just faith. And let me just tell you this. Our life has just been one step of faith at a time. It's one day at a time by faith. There's no place for fear in the Christian life. Oftentimes people say that fear is the opposite of faith. That's not true at all. Faith is choosing to act in spite of our fear. Sometimes people are scared and they say, oh, this must not be faith if, if I'm scared. No, faith, it's okay to be scared, but I'm gonna do it despite my fear. I don't know that there's ever been a time in my entire life where I've shared my faith with someone that I wasn't fearful. But I did it believing that God would do all the work for me. I just had to show up. 
You see, it's not about being fearless. It's about choosing to act instead of fear. That's what faith does. So, why launch out? Launching out is where I find the greatest joy. I'll find temporal happiness in the things that the world has to offer. New vacation, new trip, different car, new experience, a good meal. Man, Angela and I went to the North Shore on Friday and I, I had a grilled chicken burrito. It was, and I'm not a, a big into like Mexican food, but just a big, huge burrito filled with nothing but grilled chicken. It was awesome. I ate the entire thing. It's like the size of my forearm. Oh, it was so good. And when I finished, I said, bring me another one of those. Oh, it was so good. And I was so happy in that moment. I thought to myself, oh, this is good. And I thought to myself, here I am. I'm in Hawaii. I'm on the North Shore. I just had two burritos the size of my forearm. Life is good. And then I began to drive home. <laughs> I thought, man, should not have had that second burrito. <laughs> oh, man. And what once brought me such great happiness now brought me great sadness. This is life. When I launch out by faith, what's waiting for me out there in the deep water that I don't know, can't see is joy. It's where the good stuff is at. It's what my heart longs for. It's what my heart desires. Launching out is where I find the greatest contentment. When you begin to live your Christian life by faith, believing that God is who he says that he is, living your life according to the word of God and seeing God at work in your life, you will find this is what you were created for. This is where you find fulfillment and contentment. This is where the good life is found. Not to say you won't have problems, not to say that, that trials won't come because they certainly will. I promise you that. But launching out is where you will find the greatest contentment in life. And when you live the Christian life by faith, 100%, you'll say, this is good. I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. Because God is faithful and he's trustworthy. Launching out's where I find Jesus. Jesus here was at the Sea of Galilee. He would come back here several times throughout the Gospels if you read through them. But you know what? When Peter had the decision to make, when Jesus says, hey, Peter, leave your nets here and just come follow me, Peter had to make a decision. Would he go to where Jesus was or would he stay where it was comfortable? Hey, he just got a really good haul of fish. He's okay for a little while. Hey, all of his friends are here. He's got a boat here. But that wasn't where Jesus was. When I launch out by faith and live by faith, that's where I find Jesus. That's where I find the good stuff. So how do we fix it? Let me just tell you this. When it isn't convenient, choose to launch out anyways. Simple as that. If you're waiting for a good time to follow Jesus, it's never gonna come around. Wait until my schedule clears up at work. Wait until things die down at the house. Wait until the kids get over this sickness that they have. Wait until the end of football season. Wait until the end of... My kids finished Little League Basketball. Hey, look, I don't know about your kids, but my kids will forever be in sports until the day that they die, right? We've always got practice for something, meeting for something. We've got to show up for something. There'll always be homework for your kids. We've always got a reason to not do it. But I love it when people say, hey, pastor, I'm choosing to launch out. It's a crazy time in my life right now, but I believe that God's able and I'm willing to do this by faith. Launch out anyways. Next, take an eternal view of your life. Realize that you're gonna die one day and you need to leave something behind. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about property. I'm not talking about jewelry. I'm talking about leaving a legacy of faithfulness. One of the greatest gifts that I've ever given to my family is my faith. When I'm dead and gone, I don't have a lot of material possessions that my kids can fight and argue over, but I will leave it to them my faith. This was important to me and I want you to have it. It'll change your life. I need to think with an eternal view. What can I do this week that will matter for the cause of Christ for eternity, not just get me ahead and where I'm trying to go this week? 
Next, be willing to pay the price, whatever it is. Hey, many of you in this room, God's never gonna ask you to pack up your family and go to the mission field. It's not. He might ask you to bake a plate of cookies this week and take them to a neighbor, though. He might ask you to be a real deal Christian in your workplace this week. That might be launching out for you. He might ask you to invite a coworker to come to church with you. Hey, Easter Sunday is weeks away. He might ask you to make a big deal and invite everybody in your office to, to Easter Sunday, everybody on your street to be your guest in church. I don't know. But whatever the price is, I'm telling you this, pay it. It's worth it. Next, focus on the eternal value of Jesus. Everything else is a counterfeit. I read a good quote several months ago by, uh, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon. He said, discernment is not understanding right from wrong. It's discerning right from almost right. I thought, man, that's so true. Many times we chase things in this life that we think are the good things. And we don't chase the God things. Wasn't well, it good that I can take care of my family? Definitely. Isn't it good that I can provide for my family? No doubt about it. But don't let that be what drives you in life. Let the glory of God be what drives you. And realize there's something greater than what we see. Final thought, when you're fearful... Launch out anyways. God will meet your obedience with his provision 100% of the time. I don't know what your launch out step is. Maybe it's being the man that you need to be for your family. Maybe it's faithful church attendance for you. Maybe it's discipleship. Maybe it's just getting out of your seat on a Sunday morning and finding a first time guest and saying, I'm really glad that you're here this morning because that terrifies you. I've been there before. Maybe it's joining a connect group and having to sit with a group of other believers on a Wednesday night and pray with them. Maybe that's just blows your mind the thought of having to do that. Maybe it's studying the Bible together. Maybe it's learning how to share your faith better. Maybe it's being baptized. Maybe it's beginning to give faithfully. Maybe it's beginning to tithe and trusting that God can make it all work. I don't know what your launch out step is, but I know this, we can no longer be Christians that are comfortable living faithless lives because that doesn't please God. So I'm gonna challenge you. There's a million and one excuses not to launch out. A million and one. You find that in the Bible. They just bought a piece of land, bought some oxygen, just got married, can't do it. But there's one good reason to. Jesus is worth it. The most important thing in the world is if you're here today and you do not know for sure that you're a child of God, hey, your first step, you can't even get in the boat to launch out until you first know that your sins are forgiven and that heaven is your home. After that, it's gonna be the ride of your life, living by faith with Jesus, I promise you that. Those of us that are here today and that are children of God, let's live by faith this week in a way that honors and pleases the Lord.